All right, everybody, welcome back to another uh, shit-talking slash informative slash uh, whatever this is called podcast with my fellow uh, host and uh, shit-talker, Sotak Andre. Yeah, I, I mean, I suggested to you that we should just call it sustainable shit-talking. You're the sustainable and the shit-talker, so... That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sustainable shit-talking. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's not... So that would be uh, S... Uh, SS that that's not good. <laughs> oh. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> okay. So just sustainable shit talking. Let's just call it that. Put something in the, the SS. The SS makes a return in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Now now I'm giving myself extra stress. Am I gonna have to edit this out or not? This starts already well. A- anyway. Um, so yeah, we have a couple of cool topics to discuss today. Uh, but first of all, Andre, Andras, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Um, I don't know what's going on. I mean, I do know what's going on. It's these silly weekly shifts. Uh, I wake up earlier than I would have liked. And even on Saturday and Sunday, I woke up at like 8 something, which is not early, I know, because Jocko wakes up at 4. But I only slept like 7 hours. And I, was, I usually I am perfectly able to sleep in. And I'm like fuck is going on but uh, i guess you know those weeks when i have to wake up at six fuck with me so it's just annoying but it is what it is i know i'm should be just you know i should just quit my job and be optimal you gotta do what's necessary bro but unfortunately it doesn't work out that way otherwise things are good yeah speaking of sleep so as you know i'm not the best sleeper ever and um but i must say so last night so i slept around like maybe six hours in total however like all of those six like what i did sleep was like good sleep so i actually remember what i dreamt it was like very vivid intense dreaming which i mean maybe some sleep expert can correct me on this because you know i know like REM sleep and like the the dreaming state like all of these things don't necessarily coincide and like REM sleep doesn't necessarily equal deep sleep, but um, I know that usually when I'm dreaming and I'm dreaming a lot, then I'm sleeping well. So I actually feel pretty decent because probably the amount of sleep that I got was high quality. And that just uh, once again reminds me that the last diet that I had when I got super, super lean, it was um, to say that it was hard is an understatement. Like the days were just going by so slowly. I legitimately each day, I was just thinking, man, like couldn't just press some sort of a 1.5 times speed button and and just get these get through these days faster. I actually remember I was so lethargic and feeling so bad that I had a a Skype call with somebody and the guy was like speaking very slowly and was really taking his time and was like really thinking things through and I was like looking for the speed up button somewhere on Skype. I, I was like not thinking clearly. <laughs> I was like surely I can speed this up somehow. So um but I would say that at least 50% of the difficulties there was due to me sleeping so badly. Cuz like if if you just think about it, if you can barely sleep, like even if you get through the diet faster and you're pushing really hard, like effectively you're spending more waking hours dieting still because you cannot just like switch out for the night and the day just resets when you wake up no it's like you're still awake so like basically you're adding more time to the dieting difficulty so it was really 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 messed up and now that i only have one cup of coffee in the morning which kind of sucks honestly i would love to have like at least an another energy drink before my workouts 
But doing this, it makes such a big difference. And I'm also using this uh, daylight lamp. So it's turned on now as we speak. So it has like the <laughs> 10,000 lux uh, strength turned on during the day. And I switch it off uh, like maybe six or so hours before bedtime. And uh, it makes a huge difference. So um, just, just I wanted to mention that. Um, yeah, you should you should just send it to the Repson Reserve meme guy. He he would be pleased because you're turning full on online coach. I mean, gotta make sure that you have those blue lab looking glasses as well, and you know, you don't have sex too often, so you can manage fatigue effectively, yeah. and and you're well on your way to become an online coach. Yeah, honestly, the like those memes are the the only ones that I cannot relate <laughs> on that page because I love that page and I think they are hilarious. But when they are making fun of the blue light blocking glasses and melatonin and whatever, I'm like, yeah, dude, you can make fun of it all you want, but like it makes a huge difference for me because I, I mean I wouldn't sleep for shit otherwise. Yeah, I'm I'm very certain I got them earlier than you, so I know. I know, I, just, I know. I, I, I think they're funny, but you know what? what is the craziest or you know every single time it happens i'm just amazed even though i know it but uh just one i mean i seen i seen a meme or a photo of like you know like pretty much 95 percent of the arguments are because one of the two people was hungry and that's so true and the second part which amazes me is related to sleep is uh, the kinds of stupid decisions you can make when you're tired, especially food-related. I mean, even last night, I was craving some Nutella pancakes. By pancakes, I mean, you know, the creeps that dinner ones. And man, it's so it was so hard to not order something. And then I get a, you know, nice of sleep. And I wake up, and I'm like, why did I crave those? I mean, I'm always thankful that I didn't eat them, but but it's so it's like it's like you're two different people, you know. It's like you have two separate personalities. One is the morning, well rested, energized one, and the other one is like at the end of the day, the tired, the uh, craving, all kinds of crap uh, personalities. So I can definitely relate to people. I mean, it's I don't know. It seems to me that some people think that I'm just some sort of obesity hater or something. I mean, I, I can I talk about those issues so much because I can relate to them perfectly. So I know what it's like to go through them. So that's why I try to point them out because uh, I know how impactful it can be or detrimental can be on someone's life. So yeah, actually, just two things. Um one is so last night i mentioned that i dreamt a lot so one thing that was really messed up and this was the first time this happened on on this diet i was dreaming about eating some delicious food Mm -hmm. but like but it was so it was not just eating but it was i can specifically remember like i'm in this underground you know like as you go down to the the underground tram or subway or whatever Mm -hmm. and i walked up to this kiosk thing and it had this <laughs> giant like cake, which was resting on this strawberry like base. And uh, then there was this giant cake on top of it. And the texture of the cake or the coating of the cake. Do, did you have that ch- uh, chocolate called Kinder Maxi King? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and do you remember how the coating of that was like the outside of the chocolate? It, it had like these mini like peanuts slash hazelnuts mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. part, like droplets in it. It, it was amazing. Like uh, that was probably one of the tastiest candy that I've, I've I've ever tasted in my life. So like the coating of the cake was made of that, and I was just like looking at that, and I was like preparing to pay for it, and then something wake woke me up, and I was just like lying there in bed for a while, thinking like, 
what the fuck was that? Like, why did I dream about that? And why, why did it so, why did it feel so real? Jesus Christ, I'm, get, uh, I'm getting messed up. It's funny because last week I ate a cake. Actually, I, uh, I'm looking up a photo so I can show it to you. Uh, I got it for like 69% off, and that's not a joke. So I ate a lot of it. Um, so here's the photo of it. But you, as you can see, the top of it is close enough to that Mexican thing you mentioned. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, in appearance, but the Kinder Mexican thing was ah, uh, that was just something else. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's just one. Yeah, but 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 speaking of, so um, we're going to talk a bit about obesity, and you know, we always talk about how. It's, it's an important problem to tackle and we shouldn't be judgmental saying things like obese people are healthy or, well, that obesity is healthy or can be just as healthy as is kind of a dangerous path to go down. But, but one thing that still kind of uh, impacts me, one memory, is um, when I was in New Zealand, I, one time I was in this house party and there there was this like really attractive girl like she she looked like a like a supermodel but, but she also had this like exotic look and like all the guys were pretty much trying to hit on him including me and then um her of, hopefully of course she ended up liking my super handsome german friend so that was a little bit frustrating so i got, I got a cold shoulder <laughs> and um in in another house party, I actually ended up running into her, and she mentioned that she studies dietetics and she studies the the psychology of dieting, I think, or something like that. So she had some super in- interesting like thesis that she was working on. So I ended up talking about that because I was already into that topic, and maybe like a month or two later, I saw this girl and who looked like pretty obese, and I was like, this girl looks so familiar from somewhere, and. Uh, and then I realized that it was her. Uh, she literally looked like a different person. And it was so messed up because, like, I had the inclination to, like, say hi or, like, wave. And I could see that she saw me. And then she, like, pretended not to see me. And she just, like, like uh, just moved, moved, moved out of my way. And she kind of just disappeared. And, like, you know, you know these moments when you see something or you see a person and all of a sudden you put together this story in your head about what must have happened here? And I don't know, maybe I got this completely wrong, but kind of the story that got put together in my head was that, okay, this girl had issues with this. She got into studying this and she picked that thesis uh, topic because she was interested in it because she could feel that it was impacting her. And then she ended up falling off the wagon. And uh, now this was her and she was like ashamed to even talk to me or say hi because we just talked about that not long ago and now she's in that position. And man, it was it was heartbreaking, honestly. Like, like th- th- yeah. that is a memory that haunts me still to this day. Wow. Yeah, I mean, people have this notion that uh, knowledge somehow... Uh, I mean, I just, I made a post about this in Romania and it's like knowledge isn't the answer it's like applying that knowledge is the answer it's not like i mean if that were the case there wouldn't be any overweight dietitians or doctors and it's like there isn't plenty there's plenty of them around um so it's like just because you have the knowledge and it's the same way i mean i I, so people ask me about you know calorie counting and stuff and they're like you know I, i tell them that i track everything and it's like 
how can you track everything when you've been, you know, fatter before? And it's like, just because I log everything doesn't mean I don't go over X calories. I mean, I log my 6,000 calorie days and it's like, what? Do you think that just because you have an app that's somehow going to prevent you from overeating? I mean, if you think then, you probably either just downloaded my fitness pal for the first time and you're in that honeymoon phase or you're just clueless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, knowledge definitely doesn't prevent you from having certain issues. I mean, I also mention a lot on my channel that, you know, the last time I binged was in 2017. But that doesn't mean that I never overate. Uh, it just means that when I overate, I had agency over it. I never had that, oh my God, I lost control and this is spiraling into like a week of madness. I didn't have that. But that doesn't mean that I'm like perfection all the time. So, uh, and yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's interesting. I used to do that too. So when I had an all-out binge in my dark days, so whatever these like 12,000 calorie days, I would like log them afterwards. But I don't know, man. It, I almost felt that it just created extra stress because maybe otherwise I could have just moved on and gotten back to the right path. And then I just started making the calculations in my head about like how long this is going to take me to make up for this and whatnot. So I, I just uh, stopped doing that after some time. I don't know. I always just move on. It's It helps me. And it also, I find that it helps because I try to not have these huge spikes. Because usually I have a one, one day a week where it's like higher and it's it's such a nice graph. And it's like one day where it's like, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> it's like almost double. And it's like, what happened there? Well, 69% off discount cake. <laughs> That's yeah. what happened. Uh, speaking of how knowledge doesn't prevent you from having certain problems. So I, as uh, probably a lot of the listeners know, I've been on this diet since, um, fuck, I'm going to look it up now. I know that when the Arsenal-Liverpool game happened and it was uh, 3-1 to Liverpool, uh, Liverpool-Arsenal 3-1. Okay, uh, okay, September 28th. So at that time, it was one week into the diet for me, I remember. Okay, so I've been on a diet since uh, September 21. So what is that? October 21, November 21, December 21, January 21. Okay, so a bit over four months. And like the weight loss was going really well. And I was hitting some new lows on the scale. And, you know, like I'm, I'm coaching people. I now have this group coaching thing. I regularly have this conversation with people how, you know, like just because the scale does this and that for a couple of days, don't freak out. It's not a reason to slash your calories by a thousand. Don't do anything stupid. But it was going down so nicely for me. It was like textbook stuff, like, you know, 0.7% body weight loss, 0.8% body weight loss, sometimes only 0.5, 0.6, sometimes 1%. And now... It just for the past like maybe five days. I don't know what I did. My guess is that I just started adding more and more zucchini to my diet and less of the other stuff that are a bit lower in fiber and don't sit in your stomach as much. And my scale weight just started going all over the place. And so I don't know. My weight was going like you know eighty three point eight, eighty three point six. I even weighed in like eighty two point something on one day. That was like a very low day though. And then um, all of a sudden it was like eighty four point something. 85 point something. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then sometimes what I do is I weigh in at night, like just before going to bed. Honestly, just as a, like a um, curiosity thing, because the difference between my morning weight and my just before bed weight can be pretty astounding at times. Like I even had like a four kilo drop overnight, which I don't even know how. Like, okay, I get up to piss like twice 
but like do i piss out like two liters of water when i wake up or i i, I don't get what's happening so um and now today it was it was down reasonably low again but if i'm looking at my log it's actually my percentage is up this week so it's, uh, it's frustrating and i have the urge as well to like okay let's drop the calories by a lot like maybe i'm sneaking in some calories that i'm not realizing but you know but then okay what would i tell a client about this okay let's just do that but it's hard it's definitely hard yeah, yeah. so yes see that's where for example counting helps uh because yeah. if you do track accurately then it's very easy because if you know your <clears throat> energy expenditure for example if I know that if I eat 3,000 calories, there is no way I'm not in a deficit. No matter where the scale goes, no matter if I am bloated or look bloated, it's, I know I'm in a deficit. It's just <laughs> there's no fucking way uh, with 20,000 steps and weight training and you know moving around a, a decently sized body. And it's like my energy expenditure is 35, 36, 37,000. Hundred, not thousand. <laughs> it would be nice if it was thirty seven thousand. So three thousand seven hundred calories and so that's where the upside of tracking is. And yeah, no, absolutely. I mean my weight is is the same. I mean on Friday I had some wine, you know, we spoke about that. So on Saturday I expected to be lighter. So I was eighty four point five. Then on Sunday I was again eighty four point five and yesterday I was eighty seven. <laughs> it's like okay whatever yeah so yeah all over the place yeah i mean and, and i recommend this to all of my non-tracking clients to like create a meal plan for yourself like it doesn't have to be like literally the exact same thing but make it similar day to day because when you run into something it will be easy to just modify things or and it will be also easier to recall what you're eating so just like you know, auto regulation of your food intake is great, um, but like the more standardized you can make, can make your meals, the easier time you will have. So, like really, the point, even when if you're not tracking, is to reap as much of the benefits of tracking as possible without tracking, if that makes sense. But um, can we can we talk about step counts a little bit? I have a couple of. Uh, I wanted to go over the metabolically healthy obesity first because that's something I feel like it was left out. And I, w- I have some thoughts that I would like to <laughs> add to the conversation. All right. Have it your way. Go ahead. <laughs> it's like I haven't pissed off uh, sufficiently many people. But it's like, you know, if your feelings are hurt because, hey, we point out some things that are pretty well supported by science, then whatever. Have it your way. And I don't care about your feelings. For me, it's like facts or feelings. So... Here we go. Hardcore. So, uh, so yeah, the whole metabolically healthy obesity is uh, an interesting one because um, there is some statistics and that's cited. I've seen Gabriela, you know, the vitamin PhD, vitamin PhD, whatever, uh, cite that as well. And it's like, I don't know, it's I think it's 35% or something. I don't know exact number because it's just one paper that's cited. Uh, so apparently, like it's like thirty five percent of people who are obese are quote unquote metabolically healthy, so their health markers are in uh, normal range. However, so the issue with this for me is, and that's the same with even with if someone who is at normal weight. My problem is with the habits because if you have good habits. Even if you are unhealthy uh, or obese or un- overweight right now, if your habits are good, that probably means that in the long term you will be in a better place. Like if you continue those habits, you know, in 
six months, 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, you're probably going to be in a better place than you're right now. However, if the opposite is true and your habits just are bad, I mean, if your eating is all over the place, don't really sleep, don't exercise, this and that, even if right now you're not at a risk, you know, I wouldn't put too much confidence in that that's still going to be the case five years from now. So, so that's, Damn, bro, uh, that, that's the wisest thing you've ever said on this podcast. Props to you. <laughs> no, seriously, that that was that was Thanks. great. <laughs> yeah, but so that's so that's that's just reality. Um, so yeah, so that's that's my issue with this. It's like, well, you know, you are overweight and obese, or obese, and your heart markers are still healthy. Okay, but uh, what are the habits that you're doing? Because if you if you just take this snapshot right now, but your habits are actually unhealthy. There's a very good chance that those that situation is gonna change very soon, and actually that's what happens. Because if in follow-ups, um, most people who are overweight or usually obese, because overweight is a bit, but let's stick with obese for now. Uh, there's an ambulance or something, anyway. So usually within three to five years, that quote-unquote metabolic health tends to dissipate. So, um, so that's the issue. So I also wanted to bring up a study that was published like literally a couple of weeks ago on 22nd of January. It's called Joint Association of Physical Activity and Body Mass Index with Cardiovascular Risk, a nationwide population-based cross-sectional study. Now, again, this is cross-sectional, so whatever. I know epidemiology, but it's like uh, the people who you know cite those uh, metabolically healthy statistics also use epidemiology so you can't just dismiss it because it's epidemiology you can't dismiss the epidemiology that doesn't support your views basically so this was in spain it was conducted in spain um uh, we'll get into some of the details uh of course i'm not a mass research reviewer i'm just using this as an example please don't kill me if i get some of the stats wrong okay so this was conducted by Dr. Alejandro Lucia at the European University, Madrid, Spain. Um, so he says that one cannot be fat but healthy. This was the first nationwide analysis to show that being regularly active is not likely to eliminate the detrimental health effects of excess body fat. Our findings refute the notion that a physically active lifestyle can completely negate the deleterious effects of overweight and obesity. Um, there is some evidence that fitness might mitigate the negative effects of excess body weight and heart health. It has been suggested that in adults and children, being fat but fit might be associated with similar cardiovascular health to being thin but unfit, Dr. Lucia said. This has led to controversial proposals for health policies to prioritize physical activity and fitness above weight loss. Our study sought to clarify the links between activity, body weight, and heart health. So the study used data from over 500,000 working adults um, in Spain, average age 42 years, 32% for women. Participants were categorized as normal weight, BMI of 20 to 25, overweight, or obese. Um, additionally, they, they were grouped by activity levels, so they were regularly active, defined as the minimum recommended amount by the World Health Organization, which isn't a whole lot, insufficiently active, some moderate to vigorous activity, but less than a WHO minimum, inactive, no exercise. Cardiovascular health was determined according to three major risk factors for heart attack and stroke, namely diabetes, high cholesterol, and high blood pressure. Approximately 42% of participants were normal weight, 41% were overweight, 18% were obese. The majority were inactive, 
63%, for insufficiently active, 24% for regularly active. Some 30% had high cholesterol, 15% had high blood pressure, 3% had diabetes. Uh, the researchers investigated the associations between each BMI and activity group and their three risk factors. At all BMI levels, any activity, whether it met the WHO minimum or not, was linked with a lower likelihood of diabetes, high blood pressure, or high cholesterol, compared to no exercise, no exercise at all. Dr. Lucia said, This tells us that everyone, irrespective of their body weight, should be physically active to safeguard that health. Of course, that's no disagreements there. At all weights... The odds of diabetes and hypertension decreased as physical activity rose. More activity is better. So walking 30 minutes per day is better than walking 15 minutes a day, the author said. However, and here's the interesting part, overweight and obese participants were at greater risk, uh, greater cardiovascular risk than their peers with normal weight, irrespective of activity levels. So as an example, compared to inactive normal weight individuals, Active obese people were approximately twice as likely to have high cholesterol, four times more likely to have diabetes, and five times more likely to have high blood pressure. Dr. Lucia said, exercise does not seem to compensate for the negative effects of excess weight. This finding was also observed overall in both men and women when they were analyzed separately. He concluded, fighting obesity and inactivity is equally important. It should be a joint battle. Weight loss should remain a primary target for health policies together with promoting active lifestyles. So, um, again, I think that's pretty (laughs) non-controversial. I mean, I think that's pretty fair assessment and analysis. I mean, um, so I'm definitely in favor of encouraging activity and stuff, physical activity and stuff. Um, I definitely support the notion of prioritizing habits over just weight loss per se, because as I said, I think habits are more important for long-term success. But I do not like this notion that, oh, as long as you know you get in some exercise, it doesn't matter how much you weigh. Because as we discussed last time, it actually does. And uh, I don't know, do, if, if you want to interject and you want to leave some comments, then please do go on. Otherwise, <laughs> I still have some thoughts. Yeah, I just want to interject one thing that, um, I mean, so the things that you're reading, it's, it's, I mean, right in line with most of the things that I've seen kind of at the other extreme. And that is, you know, like a lot of people have this idea and we've talked about it, like as, as you get, you're get, getting very, very lean, you know, your hormonal health is not super great, um, you know, testosterone decreases, libido decreases, anabolic hormone production goes down, building less muscle, a lot of things like that. But from a health perspective, like if you're looking at most of these biomarkers that you read, so blood pressure, lipid profile, uh, you know, triglycerides, like a lot of these things, like they basically improve all the way down to like contest shape. So when you're listening to a bodybuilder who says, you know, like um, natural bodybuilder, but probably to some extent it even applies to enhanced lifters. You know, like at the end of it, I was at, you know, 1700 calories at the body weight of like 80 plus kilos. And I was walking 20,000 steps a day doing cardio all the time. You know, like probably if you did, did blood work with the person, like you would see, okay, like you're lipid profile is phenomenal. HDL is great. LDL cholesterol, very low triglycerides, very low blood pressure. I mean, probably it might be actually like below what's recommended. So it would be under like 120 over 70 or something like that. But 
from a longevity standpoint, that is actually great. Like that, that means that your heart has to work less hard. Like your kidneys have to work less hard. So probably like getting super, super lean is the best like longevity protocol, even though you might not feel amazing. So just want to drop that in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but again, it's like someone, I was discussing this, you know, this Instagram comments and it's like, <laughs> One of the comebacks was, well, you know, being excessively lean is also an issue. It's like, yeah, I know, um, but that's not the conversation we're having. And I was like, please forgive me if I do consider that a smaller problem when it's like 70% of, you know, Western world is overweight. And it's like, and also you're not at all concerned about that. And it's like, that's pretty much the cat in human wave. Also, what you're saying is, and it's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. You're just deciding to not listen to what I'm actually saying. Yeah, yeah. But anyway... So, so going going back to the whole. Um, so here's something again. I have issues with. So I, I I'm not really sure how to process this. So the people who say, um, you know, metabolically health healthy obesity can be definitely achieved or it's a thing, and you shouldn't worry at all about fat loss. You should, uh, you know, worry about uh, you know just do your health habits and that's good. I'm like, okay, but if you focus on healthy habits, how do you maintain an obese body still? Because let me get this, or let me, let's see if, if I get this right. So, okay, we are both agreed we should prioritize a healthy diet. And probably they would not. It's like, mm-hmm, okay, good. Uh, we should also prioritize whole foods. Mm-hmm, good. Okay, we should prioritize fruits and veggies. Mm-hmm, good. We should probably prioritize, you know, leaner protein sources. Mm-hmm. We should probably moderate, you know, saturated fat. Mm-hmm, Okay. Great. Uh, we should prioritize exercise. You know, walking as much as possible, which we will get to in, in later. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my question then is, how the hell do you remain obese then? Because it's I'm not I'm not trying to be jerk seriously, but it's like if you eat that you know satiating whole food, there isn't a fucking single person on the planet who is obese by eating that. I'm sorry, it just isn't. It's like you cannot maintain 150 kilos, or you know. 50 kilos above your height, you know, the, the stuff we discussed. And it's like, well, if you're, you know, if we were on 180-something centimeters, it's like we would be obese, I don't know, 120 kilos or whatever. You cannot maintain that by, I mean, I cannot maintain 90-something kilos by eating just healthy. It's literally impossible. I mean, it's too satiating. My weight would just naturally decrease as a side effect, which, of course, is a benefit because we don't want to, or as a, you know, at a population level, calorie tracking is probably not the right answer. So I get that. But I'm not sure how you can still maintain obesity, quote-unquote maintain it. It's not like it's a goal, but still, uh, how you can how the weight doesn't just drop, you know? Because to me, that's a contradiction. That's sort of an oxymoron. It's like, well, you know, you can you should just focus on healthy habits and you can still be obese. And it's like, you actually, you cannot. Because if you focus on healthy habits, you probably won't be obese. Because it seems to me that people... Of course, outside of, you know, factors unrelated to, you know, uh, to personal uh, responsibility, but a separate conversation. So, uh, you know, really factors related to diet and stuff, and in as much as it's their own choice or whatever, it's up to them. If you can actually decide what to eat and when to eat it, it's like you are obese because you do not make the best choices. So, and that's my issue, for example, with plus size models. And again, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but... Uh, I've literally, see, I have a couple of people who follow me, and then I spoke with someone, and she said that she has a contract, but literally it's forbidden for her to lose weight. 
I mean, she literally has to stay above a certain weight to be a plus size model, and that's what fucking kills me. It's like, okay, I get it. Like, if you're a fitness model, that takes effort. Like, that's just physics entropy. It's like disorder just happens spontaneously. You don't need to put in any effort. But actually, you know, you have to put energy in to organize a system. So, you know, being lean, muscular, that stuff takes effort. You know, being unfit, being overweight or obese, that just happens spontaneously if you just let things run in their course. So that's my issue with the whole, because apparently or supposedly plus-size model, modeling or is a way to, you know, to encourage women or whatever to... Um, to show that you know health and beauty can be achieved at all sizes and shapes and this and that, but at the same time you're not allowed to, for example, lose weight because you have to remain. It's, it's, to me, that's such a big contradiction. And um, I don't know. Uh, please do do let me know what your thoughts are on the matter. Sorry, just lost my mouse and couldn't click on the unmute. So um, yeah, I mean, I. I, I think you said it well. It's uh, the statement that you can stay healthy as an obese person if you just focus on healthy habits. Like, like that's a, a contradictory statement on its own. Like, you, if you really do the things that make someone healthy on a regular basis, it's it's basically not reconcilable with staying obese. Like, like almost by definition. I mean, maybe some, like, you know, never say never. There are probably some people with just remarkable appetites. So I'm not, maybe there is the person who could actually stay at a body weight that would be considered obese with not a lot of muscle mass just by eating very nutritious, healthy foods, you know, three, four times a day, not snacking, not eating a bunch of junk foods. So, you know, just like seven, like people over seven feet can exist and even over eight feet, probably this can exist as well, but it's, it's incredibly rare. So, um, uh, it's, and I wanted to say something else, but it's escaping me. So wait, obesity, healthy obesity, plus size models, uh, plus size models. Oh yeah. So probably it is true that you can be healthier if you're maintaining certain good habits and you're exercising more, you're eating less processed foods, more nutrient dense foods, you can become healthier but, um, you know, and probably a lot of this comes back to the issue of just muddying the water and uh, losing the meaning of certain words. So these books are coming out, for example, that's, the, that's one of my beef with some of these intuitive eating books where, you know, like it's best to eat nutritious foods and, and eat only when you're hungry. But it's okay if sometimes you don't. And it's okay if you have a little bit of some of this. And someone like you and me can interpret that in a way where, okay, that's, that, that's pretty much fitting into the intelligently set up flexible dieting model where, okay, most of our lifestyle is healthy and we know when to put on the brakes. But for a lot of people, it's like, oh, well, I'm eating healthy today, but not tomorrow because, you know, my intuitions are telling me this and that. And it's just, you know, morphs into this monstrosity where, okay, just whatever fits my impulses, basically. So we're not better off still. So, yeah. Another thing I wanted to just, this is my final comment because then we have to move on. It's like, it was shared by Gabriel again. It was a paper, for a comment from a paper from 94. It said that, you know, if a person's overall cardiovascular risk profile is good and they have no self-esteem problem with their obesity, then it's probably best to leave them alone. It's like, um, we already tackled the cardiovascular stuff. I am fairly confident in saying that if they do not do anything about it, they even if it is quote-unquote good now, 
probably won't be a couple of years from now. And the second part is like they have no self-esteem problems with their obesity. Okay, I'm not saying that, you know, everyone is me. Again, I'm not trying to project my own experience on everyone, but it's like I'm fairly certain that most people who are obese do not have a high self-esteem because, I mean, I've never been very, very, very heavy compared to my height. But I know that even when I am, let's say, I think the heaviest I've been was, what, 94 kilos something? That's 10 kilos above my, my weight, my height. I mean, man, life is not good. I mean, I run out of breath easier. I do not like myself when I look in the mirror. You know, having sex is not <laughs> as bloody in that. And, you know, I, I'm not as confident taking off my clothes, uh, you know. Walking sucks. I have to take longer rest between sets, all this stuff. And it's like, I really cannot imagine what it must be like if I put another 20 kilos on top of me. I mean, I could get a weighted vest and get a good grip of it, but it's still not the same because you have the weight, but you don't have the other other problems. So I am not, I mean, I get the premise in theory, sure, if someone has no self-esteem problems, because this first part is just, we already discussed that I don't believe that can be the case. But hey, I mean, that's another thing. It's like you can take personal choices uh, and actually accept and recognize the fact that these are not the best choices for your long-term health, and that's fine. Just don't try to lie about it or don't try to masquerade it. So it's like if you, for example, you decide, hey, I'm trying, I'm going to get drunk every single weekend, three days a week because that's fun to me. Okay, awesome. But don't then don't add to it. I don't think this will impact my health. Because that's what people do with their, you know, if they are obese. It's like, I like to eat a lot. Food tastes good. Okay, good. Good for you. I'm happy for you, seriously. But then don't try to spin it into, well, I don't think this will impact my health. Because <laughs> that's the point where you lose me. It's like, yeah, it will. So again, in theory, if someone has no self-esteem issues, if they're happy, awesome. Like, it's not like, it's not like you and I or Abel and I are walking around on the street and we see a fat, overweight person, whatever, or obese person. It's like we, we go up to them and it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, have you looked in the mirror lately? Like, do you see what kind of disgusting fat piece of shit you are? I'm sure someone will take this snippet and post and it's like, so that is fat shaming people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. What did he just say in that podcast? It's like, it's not like we do it. And I, I never once went up to someone. It's like I, I, I don't even do that at all because I've seen in the post. It's like, well, I was at the supermarket and I've seen that fat person. I've seen their grocery cart. And it's like, how can you see? I really don't give a fuck. You eat what you want. It's, I only work with people who you know come up to me and they say that they want help. And it's like, okay, that's what I do. So again, in, th- in premise, if you have no selfish team issues and you're happy, good for you. But I practically don't think that's the case. And I think that's a conversation worth having. And it's like, we can point out, but hey, even though in theory that can happen, in reality probably won't. And it's like, you know, can you be, I don't know, natural? Why being at a, I don't know, 32 FFMI? In theory, probably. Or in theory, maybe. Is it going to happen in reality? Probably not. To me, it's the same conversation. But again, this political correctness has sort of muddied the water tremendously. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we talked about this uh, on the last episode, which uh, ended up not being published on my channel. So it's none of us are judgmental towards uh, obese people. So I mean, I, you know, I have been in situations before where it was just, it seemed like I have to climb a mountain to finally get to where I want to be eventually. And that was, you know, so let's say I wanted, I had to go from say 25% body fat down to something I would have been satisfied with, with meaning something under 15% at least. And it was so hard to get started. It was, um, each day I was putting it off. I kept gravitating back towards my bad habits. And I can recall very vividly how difficult it was to start. So, you know, add on top of that, that you're not in that position, but you're, you know, 20, 30 kilos over that. Just getting started is just so overwhelming, compounded by the fact that you've probably got all kinds of ingrained habits that are very addictive, at least in a behavioral sense. And, um, you know, just how bad it must be to wear your bad habits on yourself as a badge almost. If you're willing to put up with that, that means that you're in a really, really difficult situation. And I can sympathize with that 100%. So none of this is being judgmental. Actually, I know personally people, uh, some of the acquaintances, even some family members of my girlfriend, for example, I mean, they had, uh, like, they were actually close to death a couple of times, like they had some serious cardiac problems, problems really, uh, as a consequence of chronic high blood pressure. And the doctor told them, like, look, like, you need to lose weight ASAP, like, this is gonna kill you. And a lot of them didn't, like, could just not get themselves to lose weight in the first place. Some of them, had to lose weight because they were in like bed rest and uh, were, you know, just wired up to these like fluids and whatever. So they were just getting the hospital food that they were giving them. So some of them maybe lost like 20 kilos and they put it back in a matter of like weeks, you know. So imagine the pull when a doctor tells you like, look, you have to stop this. Otherwise, you're going to freaking die. And they still cannot get themselves to do it. Like that's that to me doesn't speak of a person who is just so indulgent and so weak no, it speaks to me about addiction, basically. So, like, I basically look at them as as I'm looking at like someone as uh, who has alcohol problems or like I don't know heroin addiction or something. Like, it's not to be judgmental about. It's it's something to like really think hard about how we can actually help these people. So, yeah, yeah, and that's where you know medication and stuff comes in, and uh, you know uh, these. Uh joint uh, or whatever they're called uh, more comprehensive uh, care i think is what's called uh that's where that comes in uh, anyway i feel like we shouldn't really get into the whole step counting because we won't have the time um i feel like i wanted to because <clears throat> since we're talking on the topic i i mentioned this to you in private but i figured it, it's it would be good time to feels like it's relevant as well to bring it up it's like I know what it's like. I talk about this a lot because it personally affects me. So one, you said that, you know, it must be so hard when you have so much to lose. And it's like, okay, what's the alternative? Because that was me at 16 or whatever. It's like, I was really unhappy with where I was. And, you know, I started going to the gym and wasn't seeing the results. I wish I was... I was uh, getting <laughs> and i know people were telling me oh well it doesn't really you know that whole 60 70 year old uh, banter of 
oh, do you go to the gym? You know, you could, we could easily deny it. It's like no one would have guessed it. <laughs> yeah. That's sort of a shit talk. And it's like, I always, and, and you know, I sometimes I talk with people and it's like, well, didn't you lose motivation? I hate that fucking word. I hate it so much. It's like, didn't you lose motivation? What kept you going? And I was like, uh, the mirror and knowing that if I stop now, it's not going to be better. And I knew it. I knew that if I kept going, eventually it's going to get better. I mean, it can't get worse. <laughs> so that's, I don't know, I, that was my mindset. And maybe I was, people just call me lucky, whatever. I, I don't know. I was really unhappy with where I was. I still like that quote which says that, you know, change happens when the pain of, pain required to change uh, is lower than the pain of remaining the same or something like that. So basically when you're so unhappy with where you, where you are, that being or remaining the same place just hurts more than the pain or the you know the discipline required to do something about it. So until that happens, and yeah, when, when someone is really that close to that and they still cannot, quote-unquote, get themselves to do it, that's obviously a case where you need medication and specialized help. So that's not something that is our area um i'll let this train go by runaway train never coming back is that the lyrics i don't know i don't know uh but yeah so my mom is again i have this i mentioned this to you in private but my mom is overweight and she has all kinds of health issues and we don't really we're not really sure because she doesn't take you know lab work but it's like she constantly tells me, oh, well, who knows how what my blood pressure is. And it's like, you know, that easily can be tested. But it's one of those things where people are... <laughs> I always try to get people to name their fears or confront them because the devil that you... It's, it's always better or your imagination is always worse than reality. So the problems or the monsters you create in your head are always worse than the monsters you're actually going to have to face. And hiding your head in the sand and you know not wanting to do blood work because you don't want to know what's really going inside is not a good thing and that's not a step forward that's just you postponing and you know well what who knows what i'm gonna find out it's like yeah who knows that's the thing you don't know but if you did find out it would be better because then you can actually you know, do something about it. Oh, yeah. So I mentioned this to you that the hardest people to change are those closest to you. And some people probably have this idea that, oh, those are the easiest. I mean, you know them. It's, no, it's the hardest. Because, I mean, I've been training for almost 10 years. I feel like I've gotten results for myself and for others. I feel like I'm at a point where, you know, I'm fairly, um, what's the word, a reputable source or, you know, someone who could be, uh, used as a reference point or, you know, as a source of advice or, dare I say, wisdom. And it's like, we have this neighbor who she, whatever, started, bought into some sort of diet, pill, drink, whatever, powder, I don't know what it is, some sort of silly supplement, which, of course, is accompanied by this ridiculous, low-calorie bullshit diet of, you know, suck on grapefruit and stuff. And it's like, she lost, I don't know how much weight. And my mom is like, well, you know, I'm thinking I, maybe I should buy that too. And it's like, really? So I get people who richly pay me to help them lose weight and, you know, lose fat and get fitter and stuff. But the people that the person you're trying to listen to is your fucking neighbor who, 
just bought this pill like two weeks ago or two months ago, whatever, and now suddenly she's a diet expert. And you're not going to listen to me and you're going to listen to her. And we already are on a tight budget financially, but you are. If I tell you to, for example, buy omega-3s or something, it's like, oh, well, that's expensive. But you would buy that crappy diet, tea, drink, whatever. And that's what kills me. It's like people are so, and she knows, I mean, she knows how I lose weight. She knows she's aware of calories and stuff. And it's like, but she still tells me this thing. It's like, well, she doesn't really cook with, uh, you know, uh, vegetable oils anymore. She cooks with with animal fats. And I think that's the key. And it's like, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, mom, really? Really? We're going to have to have this conversation again? I mean, you know what you're supposed to do. Don't make cakes for fuck's sake all the time. It's, she, <laughs> this was funny because she said, but I don't make them all the time. I only make them once a month, uh, once a week. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, once a week. But once a week is plenty because you make like a fucking huge tray, which probably has, I don't know, 15,000 calories or something and it's only might only be quote-unquote once a week but that once a week is enough to raise the weekly deficit that you might have created otherwise because believe me i know because i've been tracking for fucking almost nine years now so i know how those calories add up and quote-unquote just once a week can easily ruin your progress and it's like that's the most frustrating thing man man the people you most care about and the people you most would want to help the people you would like to have the most are the people that won't listen to you and that's something i've noticed or i observed myself i've heard i mean lyle mcdonald talked about this for fuck's sake i mean the guy wrote a book about ketogenic dieting in 98 or something 99 and he said in an interview that you know you know what my mom did uh you know, so i wrote this fucking book and she tried keto when she saw uh some sort of a stupid magazine at the store and it's like <laughs> Um, she, she of course start, tried the stupid, uh, more stupid and uh, sillier and worse version of it. So you're you're uh, describing my relationship with my girlfriend <laughs> right now. Yeah, uh, I know. But we, here's the thing. Sorry, I will let you go on. Just I, I actually thought about this. Literally, I mean, I I didn't mention this, but I thought about this. That, but here's the thing. So two two big differences. One, she's much younger. And she's still, I mean, as far as I know, because from what you told me, she's still at a you know, healthy body weight and stuff. So, yeah. one, she has the luxury of being, being having youth on her side. And two, she's much healthier. So, just as a baseline, it's like, again, probably her habits are not conducive long term. But my mom, unfortunately, is older. And also, she's at a weight. I mean, she, I mean, I told her this. And it's like, look, I didn't feel well at 90-something kilos. And I'm 183, 84 centimeters i lift weights like a madman i take a fuck ton of steps and i still don't feel well at that high body weight i mean you're 164 so it's like 20 centimeters that's eight inches shorter than me and you're older which doesn't help and you're probably heavier than i've ever been and you're surprised that you don't feel too well it's like <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, like the frustrating thing with my with my girlfriend. I mean, we we talked about this, but I'm gonna share some of it with the with the listeners. Is um, you know, she she. I think her problem is that she is uh, like a very like she's very intelligent. Like no problem saying she's more intelligent than me. We actually did a couple of like IQ tests together, and she always beats me by like ten points. Uh, there is this uh, Facebook game co- called Word Blitz. Um, and it's basically like how many words can you find in this whole bunch of letters? And I think that's in a way kind of a mini IQ test because it's like how quick you can think and uh, 
notice patterns and things like that and she beats the crap out of me in that so um and she's also like one of these like very independent thinking like like strong women and um like i think the problem is that she has a hard time like first of all like when you're really close to someone like whether it's your your mother or girlfriend or best friend or whoever like you have no authority in the eye of that person yeah. like like that's one really big issue like there are exceptions like my mother is soaking up all my words for example when it comes to fitness and nutrition so that that's great but i think many times you just have no authority and um like I, I actually told this to my girlfriend because what she does is uh, she kind of lets herself go. And then once she's fed up with the situation, then she will start following some complete bullshit fed, whatever, with like completely nonsensical rules. Like, uh, OK, so in this diet, you cannot have water in between meals. You cannot have co- coffee in between meals. And then, uh, you know, like and, and I told her, like, look, like this does doesn't make any sense. Like having some water, if, especially like before a meal and even during the meal could actually help help you lose weight like like that would be an amazing thing to do like and and I explained it to her and it's like oh okay okay she like nods and I I can see it in her eyes that she's not gonna follow what I'm telling her and but you know like occasionally we get into talking about this because she will mention something to me and I will respond and I really pay close attention to like not give her like an unsolicited lecture because I know how annoying that can be so I'm like I'm trying to be like very conversational and just like share some of the stuff like things that I experience I've experienced with myself and with clients and things like that and she she looks at me with interest and then two weeks later She's telling me like, okay, so I decided now I'm going to drop five kilos. It's like, okay, cool. So what's your plan? It's like, well, Monday, Monday, fruit day, Tuesday, (laughs) veggie day, every Thursday, carb day. And I'm like, why? Like, didn't we go over this like 15,000 times? Like, where is the protein? Like, why? Like, and she actually, actually likes veggies. She's one of those weird people who, who hates fruits, like hates them, but she loves veggies. She loves eating like big salads and stuff like that. But no, Tuesday is fruit day, even though she hates fruits. And so it's, and, and, you know, and, and, but now she actually told me that, no, like I'm, I'm going to do this for like two months and then you're going to be my coach. Like that's what she told me. So I'm like, okay, we, we will see. Um, and then I even told her like, look, like I'm not, I'm not offended. Like you're free to do whatever you want, but like didn't it occur to you? Like, like this is what I do basically for a living. Like you see me coaching people. You've even been in the background like lurking while I had client calls. Like you see that I can control my body composition pretty well. You even see yeah. some of my client transformations. Didn't it occur to you to seek my advice a little bit? And then she basically told me that like, yeah, well, the thing is like if you were to be my like coach or something where I was following your advice, then you would like know what I'm doing exactly. So if I'm not getting results, you would know exactly how I'm fucking up. And that would make me more stress, stressed. And I'm not saying that I condone that mindset, but I can at least understand like the underlying psychology behind it. It's irrational and everything, but I can understand where she's coming from with that. Yeah, but it's such a silly black or white thinking. It's pretty much it's like I, I, I get the same... So there's a girl I really like, and she apparently likes me because she wants to go out and date and stuff. But anyway, she, so we were talking about her coming to the gym because she she was or were we met at the gym like maybe a year ago or something, and she basically said, "Well, you know, uh, I'm not really ready to, you know, really, really quote unquote clean up my diet or structure my eating, so I'm not gonna, 
you know, go to the gym and, you know, just uh, waste quote unquote workouts or, uh, you know, not get, not reap their full reward uh, until I'm ready to, you know, put my diet in check. And it's like, what kind of a stupid mindset is that? It's like, yeah. Training, training or doing any form of exercise is better than no exercise. We already clarified that. And it's like, whatever you're doing right now with your diet, if you add weight training on top of that, it's only going to make it better. It's not going to make it worse. And yes, if you had a better diet, your results would be better. But by not doing any exercise, not doing any weightlifting, whatever, not coming to the gym, you're not better off. And if you did come, you would be better off even with your current diet. However, you know, you could actually start making small steps while coming to the gym and let, you know, time run its course instead of, you know, waiting and, you know, just hoping for this perfect opportunity when all the stars align and it's like, Jesus Christ, it's such a silly black and white thing. And she knows that it's not a good way of thinking. It's like, yeah, well, I know it's not logic, but... Oh my god! Like I, I just posted like uh, there's a lecture I actually can't remember it. It's called uh, Joseph and the Court of Many Colors. It's one of Jordan Peterson's biblical lectures, and figure uh, surprise, surprise, full of wisdom. And at one point he said the same thing. It's like you know people who just wait for the right opportunity and they never start. And it's like what if I, you know, what if it's a bad idea? And it's like Jordan says that you know it's of course it's a bad idea. Most ideas are bad, but. Until you start, you won't know that. And if you just wait around for the quote-unquote perfect opportunity, perfect idea to come, you're too stupid. You're too stupid to realize when that's gonna be. It could just be that the best idea just passed you by because you thought it was a, good, a bad idea because you were too clueless and too inexperienced. And it's it's the same way with this. It's like I get her point of view, but oh my god, it's like I I I got the same way with, with with girlfriends and stuff, and I try to you know get them to change their diets and stuff, and it's like you know you can actually start small and not beat yourself up, and you can accept the fact just going into it that you're gonna do a bad job because you are gonna do a bad job, but hey, doing a bad job is better than not starting at all because. Once you start and you do a bad job, you can actually correct it, you know. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think one issue could be, and why, and why often these people close to us are not willing to just listen to us. Besides just the lack of authority, which is definitely a big issue, is um, you know, like we have been together for a long time, and she sees what I'm doing, and and this also applies to friends who have been you know around me for a long time. Like they see what I'm doing. And, you know, for the average person, what I'm doing is insane. Like I train like every day. I'm in the gym. You know, uh, my girlfriend saw me through tough diets. She saw how miserable I was at the end. And probably in the back of her head, she's thinking like, dude, like, I'm, I'm glad this makes you happy. But what you're doing is insane. Like, thanks, but no thanks. Like if, if this is the way you know how to succeed, like, I don't want that. And I can. I would understand. I mean, she didn't say that explicitly, but I would guess that some of that is in the background, because um, yeah, what I'm doing is not for you know just the average Joe who wants to get into a little bit of a you know better shape. Like I'm pushing the envelope because I enjoy pushing the envelope, but um, she doesn't see me 
putting through people programs where, you know, they are lifting three days a week and they have a very, very manageable diet, very sustainable. They're enjoying themselves, not getting nearly as lean as what I got in the past. So, you know, if they saw that aspect of it too, then probably it would be different, but they're just seeing what I'm doing. And also, you know, like when someone proposes another diet and it's some like attractive woman from the from some headline smiling at them, it's like, hey, effortless weight loss, just do this and this. And it's like, oh, okay, like like that seems much more doable. So um yeah, I I think that is also a part of it. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. And I I don't know what to do about it, but people still have this what if mentality. Because this shiny object syndrome, it's like my mom, I mean, my mom tried probably 15 diet stuff previously. And it's like, I know it's not going to work, but I already tried, you know, 15 others. But what if this time it will be the one which will change my life? What if this is the right one I have been? All of the other ones have failed before, but what if this one is, is the right one? It's like... Oh my goodness, it's the same with people doing these 30-day challenges. Like, well, it's only 30 days, so it's not that big of a thing or not that big of a time investment. Yeah, it's some sort of financial investment, but it's not that big, so I can probably, you know, uh, manage it. And, well, if 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 I don't see any difference in, in a month, I can always just, you know, go back to your silly sustainable plans or science-based workouts or science-based diet setups or whatever high-protein crap you're trying to sell me on. And it's like, it's never just one 30-day because it's one 30-day challenge, then one 30-day challenge after the other. And it's like, you string together 12 30-day challenges and a year has passed by and the only thing that's got lighter was your wallet. And imagine if that if in that year you actually did something reasonable which you dismiss because it hey it's too small, but those quote unquote too small steps actually compounded over the months, and the year from now you would be ten kilos lighter, and you would have built you know some sustainable and reasonable habits, and you would be actually healthier, and your money or your financial status would also be better off for yeah. it. What what I always find amazing is um, how people eventually make the the leap or eventually make the shift and how unexpectedly that can come. And and I've seen this repeatedly where, so I've, you know, I would like to think that I'm pretty successful with my clients, but I definitely had cases where I just couldn't help. And we talked about that before, like the person was just not doing didn't want to or was just not able to follow what I told them, uh, despite all the practical solutions I offered. And unfortunately, the term ended with me not getting them to where they wanted to be. And then like months later, like this just happened recently, someone messaged me or just commented on something I posted on Instagram or to one of my stories. And I asked him like, hey, dude, like what's going on? How are things going? Like how, how are the food issues, whatever? And he said like, man, I'm in an infinitely better place. And um like what what changed what was the game changer for me is when i read this sentence in the book of james clear and uh he told me what the phrase was and what the overall message was and i was like uh i was thinking man like we went through that quite a few times while working together <laughs> like i i pretty much told the same exact thing to you like multiple times but 
I was not blaming him because I went through that myself. Like sometimes you just have to hear something from a particular person at a particular time. It has to be put in a certain way and that will be the game changer. Like I remember um, when uh, I went through that like transformation on that one summer when I dropped a lot of fat and that's when I started auto-regulatory eating. That's when I stopped binging. Like for some reason, the game changer for me when I attended the conference where I met Mike Isratel and he gave this lecture about making dieting easier with the proper food choices. And he literally said nothing that I didn't know before. It's like, yeah, less palatable foods, less calorie dense. But like somehow the way he was talking about it, like he was just so easygoing and then joking a lot. It was like the lecture was super funny. I was like multiple times like crying out loud. It, it was it was hilarious. Like he's an amazing presenter. And um, like for some reason, like just listening to that, like gave me a lot of strength to carry on with it. Like I like, I just thought of his phrases a, lot, phrases a lot of times as I was going through my diet, and it just made the whole process seem so much easier. I cannot put it put into words like why was the case, but somehow that was a game changer. And earlier on, I knew knew all of those things. I heard it from other people too, but for some reason, in that moment, that was that just hit differently. And I think a lot of people have these moments. So, you know, maybe my girlfriend and maybe your mother will come to a better decision eventually. It's just probably us repeating them the same stuff is is not going to help because if it would have, it would have helped already. So, yeah, so I know. But here's the thing. Um, So I think I told you that my grandma has had diabetes since 2002, I think. So that's almost 20 years. And now she has Alzheimer's and she has Alzheimer's and it has progressed to a point where she, she doesn't really, she she literally doesn't really know where she is. She doesn't know who the people around her are. It's like she thinks she's in 70 something back in her childhood. So it's just bad. And my mom is going through that and she has to take care of her mother. And it's like, how in the hell does that not scare you? Because I remember, back, aside from the whole, you know, being unsatisfied with myself and stuff, I remember seeing my grandma having to inject the insulin in, in, in her legs or whatever, I don't know, a couple of times a, um, a day, and it's I was not really interested in that. It's not insulin like, you know, right now, it's all oh, insulin for bodybuilding. Cause it's like, well, she's nah, using GH 16. as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, back in when I was 16, that was not an interesting proposition for me. So I was like, I am not going to do that for the rest of my life. Uh, another cousin of mine, she got type 1, so she's fucked. Or right now, <laughs> that sounded weird. But so a cousin of mine got, uh, also was diagnosed with uh, type 1 diabetes. So unfortunately, she's going to be on insulin for the rest of her life as well. So that sort of scares me, scared me. That was a couple of years earlier. So yeah, it was really bad. And I told this to my mom. It's like, doesn't that scare you? And she, okay, this is going to sound really bad, but pretty much what she said, well, I'm not going to get to that point. If I get to that point, I'm just going to, you know, take my own life. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I mean, are you listening to yourself? It's like you would much rather just, you know, continue on. And if I get Alzheimer or whatever, I'm just going to commit suicide instead of, you know, getting some, taking some responsibility for your life, for your choices and doing I mean, maybe you won't be able to prevent it. Who the fuck knows? Maybe I'm going to get Alzheimer when I'm 70. I don't know. But at least I would like to think that I am making, maybe not all the choices, but I'm making the most of the ch- of the 
choices I can to prevent that, or I do the best I can uh, to to prevent that. So, because otherwise, imagine getting to sixty five, and you know, doctor telling you, "Hey, you have early onset dementia or Alzheimer's," and it's like, "Yeah, and you, you, by the way, you could have prevented this if you were a bit more disciplined in your, you know, twenties and thirties and forties." And it's like. That sounds like a proposition or a conversation I would not like to have. So, yeah, yeah, but but again, I, I can guarantee you, maybe not in the case of your mother because she's a you know with like older generations, it's it's often tougher because you know I mean the older you are and the longer you kept on a certain habit, you know there's that saying that stopping a bad habit is better today than tomorrow because until tomorrow you will repeat it a few more times. So yeah. um, it's just that much harder. So. But, you know, for a lot of people in your mother's situation who have an equally, like, knowledgeable son or, or acquaintance or something, like, um, the same message, like, you know, I'm, I'm telling my, a lot to my girlfriend. Oh, geez, that was a loud one. Um, like, um, we were talking about, like, bread and things like that. And I told my girlfriend a lot of times, like, well, there is, like, nothing inherently much wrong with bread un- unless you have, like, celiac problems. But, um it's just the fact that it's pretty calorie dense. Usually you're not eating bread on its own, stuff like that. But I can guarantee you like one day she will hear from some whatever local super handsome like fitness instructor on television talk about like why people have to drop bread for some like bullshit made up reason. And and that will be the wake up call. And so probably something could happen to your mom as well. Like some local person on TV with a good pedigree who maybe like a woman who looks the way that she would want to look or something. She will say something about the things that you're saying and it will be, oh my God. And she will, she, and she will tell you, tell you about it. That will be yeah. the worst. Like, so I heard this thing on TV about this. And so that will be the key. And then you will be like, well, yeah, that will actually be the key. But motherfucker, well, not motherfucker to your mother. But like I told you that 1,500 times, that will be frustrating. Yeah, it, it won't happen, unfortunately. Um, I don't know, man. I really cannot, like... Um, again, the proposition of getting Alzheimer's or, you know, just dying earlier than necessary or, you know, not seeing, potentially not seeing your grandchildren. If that doesn't scare you, that doesn't make you want to do something about it, I don't know what can, so. I mean, I I think that that has to do with, like, delayed gratification and, uh, which is a cliche to say, but, like, people are really bad at acting based on things that could happen in the future, like, still far into the future. So here's here's the real problem, which uh, I honestly cannot do much about it. So why I understand her? Um, so pretty much, it's I'm not gonna get into my whole life, but basically, food is her only pleasure right now because she's stuck in this really unfortunate situation. My father is dead, whatever, and she's stuck in this unfortunate situation where she has to take care of both her parents. My grandfather is an alcoholic, so he's not much of a help at all. And my grandma has Alzheimer's. Again, it sucks. So, you know, she's constantly stressed. And food is her only comfort. So when she's stressed, she eats. When she's sleep-deprived, of course, you know, stress levels go up. And that leads to more cravings. And she eats. So that's why I understand uh, her in the sense that it's really hard and she really doesn't have any pleasure. But uh, I try to tell her that, hey, try to 
you know, you don't have much to look forward to right now, but hey, let's try to get out of this situation. Um, receive whatever my my grandma, I don't know how much she has, how much longer she has to live. Um, whatever that amount is, uh, we're going to go through that. And until then, hey, you can focus on yourself. You can make, you know, start making some positive changes and try to make the primary focus of your life aside from, you know, taking care of your parents, you know, getting your health under control, getting your situation under control. And then potentially you can meet someone new. And yes, I know that that 50 something meeting someone new is tough, but hopefully you're going to live for another 30 years or 40 or however long. And it's like, wouldn't it better if you had someone next to you? Because again, this is one of those 20, 21 um, conversation where people is like, well, you know, family is all up to debate and, and you know, you can't be just as happy on your own as you can be with the partner. And it's like, Nope, sorry, <laughs> I don't agree. And from what I've seen, you know, well, societies that go from on operate on the presumption that, you know, or people who are in monogamous uh, monogamy monogamous long term committed relationships seems to be seem to be happier and better off than people who are on their own. And it, there is a reason why, you know, older people when. The, their spouse dies, they tend to die pretty shortly after that too. Oh, I did not mute myself. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, that that took a, <laughs> took a turn <laughs> towards the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got deep. We got deep as, as usual. Um, but yeah, yeah, nothing to add there. I, I agree with you. All right, so I think... Um, there's one thing left which uh, I wanted. I, mean, I forgot last time, so I wanted to, you know, do the recommended reading or listening or watching segment. So, for this episode, I uh, would like to recommend to listeners to check out Brian Fogler's new documentary. It's called The Dissident. I am not sure where you can find it. I think it's on Amazon Prime or something like that. You can, or whatever the correct uh, term is anyway basically you can buy it on amazon i think and it's very very worth the watch uh it's i found it really upsetting and disturbing what happened there and if you haven't seen it i also recommend his previous documentary icarus which was fantastic it's about uh, how russia you know dopes russian athletes uh, <laughs> cheated the system to win olympic medals uh, as it turns out you know there is cheating in the in the Olympics, surprise, surprise. But this one is actually, uh, I would dare to call it more important, a more important uh, topic because yes, sports is important, but uh, this is a much bigger global issue. And yeah, I would recommend for people to to watch it. Yeah, uh, I would recommend a video that I mentioned to you about uh, Lazar Angelov, or as many of you might call him, Lazar Angelov, the. Um, king of six-pack like after maybe Matt August but he's much more famous so like one of the most aesthetic physiques in the fitness industry ever and um, just a video popped up where some on his channel it has like over like 1.3 million views 
And it was funny because um, like the guy who is doing the interview, like you see his back and as he was talking, I was like, man, I'm recognizing his voice. And then I realized like, oh, that's that's my buddy from uh, Bulgaria, the aesthetic by science crew, uh, Nikola Tomov. Um, we hung out uh, quite a bit in Bulgaria when I was there. And uh, he they did an, a long interview with him. So some more clips are to arrive on their channel as well. And so basically, Lazar is telling the story of how, like, all of a sudden, he started having a lot of pain in his arms. And, you know, he did the usual thing. At first, he worked through it because he hoped that it would go away. And then he skipped training his upper body. He started training his lower body. And then his legs started hurting as well. And all of a sudden, like, his, like all his joints were just in pain. And um, he took, like, two weeks off, hoped that it would solve things, but it didn't. And he ended ended up having like four surgeries, which it was kind of annoying in the whole video that he never like goes into like what the fuck was going on, like why did you start having pain everywhere? Because I get it, like okay, if you if you're like overworking certain joints, like that can get severely inflamed, but like all of a sudden, like the pain just radiates to your whole body, like it was really strange. So like it never turned out from the video what actually happened. Like it really sounded like he had some like autoimmune issue or something because otherwise your whole body just doesn't just flame up randomly. Um, So he had surgeries and then um, he started gradually working back up and then he was like 70% back to the way that where he was. And then the pain started coming again. And then he had, had to stop training once again. And he sh- they show like these clips of uh, his transformation and down transformation again and again. And man, like he became like a shadow of what he was, and at least in terms of appearance. And it's like a really honest, like really, like honestly throughout the whole interview, it seems like he's about to burst out crying. It, it's it, like I was watching it and it was devastating, like truly devastating. And he was talking about how like attending expos, it was so hard for him because like early on, he wouldn't care when someone posted a negative comment about him. But then like someone would post like, oh, like he doesn't even look like he lifts anymore. And um, it it just like completely put him down. He didn't want to go to the beach because he was ashamed of how he was looking. And he basically just stopped training altogether. So I don't know where he is now on that journey. Maybe he came back to some extent again. But, uh, whew, man, really, like, devastating video. So I would recommend you to check it out because it gives you some perspective on, like, how much you should value the fact that you're able to lift, how it could be taken away, and how you should also have other sources of happiness in your life. And also just be fucking careful in the gym. Like, don't destroy yourself. So I would recommend you to check that one out. Wow, yeah. I will add it to my to my list. Yeah, yeah. All right, then uh, we can wrap up here. So um, yeah, this was dropping a someone, c- couple of days. Someone's got to go to work. Yeah, yeah. All right, then thanks everybody for listening. And Andre, you have a good one. Thanks.